Hi everyone, I'm David Green. Welcome to the second episode of Series 3 of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. Building a people analytics function in a global Fortune 50 company is as wonderful an opportunity as it is a significant undertaking. This was a challenge facing my guest today, Ian O'Keefe, when he took the role as Global Head of Workforce Analytics at JP Morgan Chase in June 2016. Ian and I walked through his journey of building the function at the bank, as well as reflecting on his 10 years in the space, which has included people analytics roles at Google, Sears, and American Express. Ian is one of the most knowledgeable, experienced, and insightful leaders in the space, so I know that listeners will enjoy this episode of the podcast. In this episode, Ian and I talk about the three-year build of workforce analytics at J.P. Morgan Chase, which he built from the ground up the skills and capabilities you need in a people or workforce analytics team, how to balance demand for analytics from the business with prioritizing the work. We also reflect on the people analytics space in general based on Ian's unique perspective of having worked in several sectors like tech, banking and retail. And like we do with all our guests, we look into the crystal ball and ponder what the role of HR will be in 2025. This episode is a must listen for anyone in a workforce or people analytics role. HR and business professionals interested in how people data can drive business outcomes and CHROs looking to build or scale their people analytics capabilities. Before we get started, a brief word from our sponsor for series three of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Support for this series is brought to you by Pymetrics. Pymetrics is a future of work platform using data-driven behavioural insights and audited artificial intelligence to help companies better understand their workforce as well as make fairer and more predictive people decisions. Pymetrics serves as a matching layer in the job application process with the ability to assess candidate fit for any role within your company and the greater Pymetrics job marketplace through one single streamlined platform. The Pymetrics platform offers video interviewing and gamified assessments for collecting behavioural data like cognitive and emotional trait profiles as well as numerical and logical reasoning. Candidates are matched to roles based on how they fit each role's success profile which Pymetric builds off of top performers. To learn more, visit Pymetrics.com. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Ian O'Keefe, Global Head of Workforce Analytics at J.P. Morgan Chase, to the Digital HR Leaders podcast and video series. Ian, it's great to great to see you. Great, great to, have to see you, you David. Good to be here. Thank you for joining us. Can you give listeners a, a quick introduction to, to you uh, and also your background and, and your vision for for workforce or people analytics? Sure. Yeah. Um, I uh, I'm, I'm born and bred in the U.S. in New Jersey, not far from here. So I spent much of my career here in the East Coast in New York. Um, Psychology, predictive analytics by way of education, um, and I guess my my vision is really rooted around how we can use data to help people make decisions to affect outcomes. You hear that from everybody. I think uh, more and more that's becoming uh, rooted in a lot of end user design and and sort of creating products that are embedded into day to day workflow of the org. And we try our best to do that uh, as much as we can at the bank. And uh, I've seen that done a lot of different ways throughout my career. So it's uh, fun to be on the journey. Well, great. And we're certainly going to touch on some of the work that you're doing at the bank a little bit later. You've been in the space for over 10 years. Um, I haven't got any gray hairs, so that's that's pretty impressive. I hide them well. Hide them well. <laughs> um, and I think we first came across each other when you were at Sears um, that's right. doing some work there. 
So you've, you've worked in financial services at American Express and then onto Sears yes. in, in retail, I think up in Chicago. That's right. And then down to Silicon Valley to work at Google and then over, back over back home, effectively, to work at J.P. Morgan yes. Chase. A wandering, wandering journey. A wandering journey. And <laughs> what I'd be interested to, being, having been in the space for that, that length of time, what are, the, what are the main changes that you've seen over those 10 years? Yep. And then actually then looking at the different sectors that you've worked in the different organizations, some of the... the similarities or differences around the challenges and the, and the scope of work? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a few things. One, probably the biggest change is the, the amount of attention, awareness, and investment that has gone into the space increasingly, almost exponentially over the last five years. You see heads of jobs, you see different types of teams being stood up, um, you see a ton of capital being uh, pumped into um, startups, uh, VCs are paying attention. So I think uh, it's it's a real thing. It's not a flash in the pan. I would I would sum it up to that. Um, advances in technology, uh, different ways of uh, of listening to the workforce uh, to platform your data, social mobile cloud. That kind of goes to a third point, which is around uh, the employee experience, yeah. uh, how you can use data and tech to curate uh, better experiences to people. Similarly to how uh, companies might do that. On, uh, on on the consumer side from a marketing perspective. So productizing uh, and creating useful products and services internal to the org uh, has been central to a lot of the way we think about it. And I think uh, some of the best orgs in the world that are doing people analytics take that to heart. Uh, and the fourth thing I'd point out is uh, this has always been there, but I think it's been amped up uh, uh, through a number of milestones lately is the uh, the focus and attention on privacy laws and regs, and that takes on different formations in uh, different industries, but how we treat, handle, uh, uh, kind of land data, um, use it, don't use it, um, ethics, that has taken on real uh, real meaning and uh, dominated, I'd say, in a good way, a lot of the agendas that I see uh, uh, on our team at the bank and in the industry in general. And thinking briefly about the time at Google, obviously, Google didn't invent people analytics, or they perhaps maybe invented the term. They certainly popularized it. Right. Um, you, you, when you were at Sears, my understanding of the, the analytics team there was quite small. And yes. then you, when you went to Google, so there's this very large team um, doing a, a number of different things. You know, what, was, you know, what were your reflections on, on the time at Google? Yeah, I think the, the phrase people analytics, HR analytics, talent analytics, it, it's... Uh, we, 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 the royal we in the, in the, in the industry space have been, uh, I'd say, uh, maybe a, a little bit unsure about what we mean by it. And, and that's sort of taken on uh, uh, different team formations as a, as a byproduct. So uh, I'd say one of the differences uh, that I've seen in my journey has been the, the brand of people analytics that an organization might um, uh, kind of center. Yep. around. So I think the through line there is um, um, the the data that's generated um, by people when they're at work can um, be harnessed and, and kind of brought back to the surface for awareness, for action, and um, how you do that uh, is really uh, a reflection of uh, what your org centers around from a business perspective, the culture that kind of predominates the org, and um, and we go from there. So Yeah, and I think I think Google the work that they did and some of the stuff that they they put out there about Project Oxford and Project Aristotle and some of the other stuff that they did, I think that probably did inspire a lot of our organizations to actually invest in this space. Undoubtedly, yeah. I mean, it, it's groundbreaking work. Um, the, the combination of methods, uh, sort of the ambition to, to study uh, 
patterns uh, throughout uh, the workforce over time is, is really difficult to do and to uh, to do that with discipline and to do that in a way that um, that tells a story and that motivates an entire organization to do something differently that's that's to be celebrated uh, regardless of the function it's coming out of and I think Google did that really well uh, around leaders around teams uh, throughout the entire recruiting cycle and um, and there are Fortunately, over the last number of years, lots of use cases from many different orgs to be celebrated, and I think uh, um, we're in a pretty exciting space in that regard. Well, the Wanderer returned back to the East Coast yes. about three years ago, I think now. Three years And yeah. you took on the role as uh, Global Head of Workforce Analytics at J.P. Morgan yeah. Chase. And correct me, about a quarter of a million employees operating in 60 countries. So... What is actually involved in the in that role, the global head of workforce Senate? What are the key responsibilities? Yeah, it, it's it's changed over time. Uh, when I first took the role on, uh, the way that um, we did data uh, in HR uh, was uh, pretty fragmented across lines of businesses and functions. That's not uncommon uh, uh, as a starting point. Uh, so it involves really understanding what type of uh, analytical activity is happening where, and um, whether that's uh, kind of more on the tech side, platforming, database, uh, kind of managing information to um, straight up reporting, uh, kind of ad hoc turnarounds, interactive MIS dashboard building, to more uh, kind of interpretation, storytelling, consultative work, to data science. Um, those those capabilities were uh, capabilities that I had sort of a mental model on coming in mm. that I was looking for, uh, and uh, some of them were already present in the org. Uh, some of them. Uh, we're happening reporting, for instance, is often uh, where most uh, people analytic teams uh, kind of got their start, and and that's where a lot of the incumbents come out of. So um, that, for instance, was happening in many places according to different processes and tools. And so, understanding what's happening where, understanding uh, the level of uh, sophistication and maturity of those activities, um, understanding where you have complete gaps where you might have to go and buy or borrow some of that skill tee across the org. Um, that was uh, what I did for my first probably six months uh, at the org and created a roadmap out of that and built the first incarnation of people analytics, listen to me, workforce analytics <laughs> <laughs> at J.P. Morgan. Uh, in early 2017 was when we kind of established uh, what is uh, what was then is, is still kind of the current capability set of workforce analytics. So it really involves sort of uh, kind of Visioning what, what we could do with data, translating that to capabilities, looking to see how much or little we had of that across the yeah. org, and then uh, building and investing accordingly and kind of putting points on the board as we went. So um, data engineering, reporting, consulting, and data science was where we started. Um, and that has since been broadened to include more on the data management governance privacy side into um, a data office that Workforce Analytics now sits in. And... Um, I, I view that as a, as a, as a milestone in uh, kind of how we think about workforce analytics at the bank that we created a, a data office on par with um, the product services and sort of uh, um, uh, orientation points that the other CDOs have across the bank, which is uh, pretty cool. And actually, I should ask, why workforce analytics? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really, really good question. I think uh, I early on... Uh, I came from Google, and I I have a, a little bit of an affinity to the word people analytics. I think um, it's pretty simple for us. It was a reflection of where we were uh, and the work we had in front of us to kind of get the foundation right. 
and um, kind of doing uh, doing analytics across the entire array of data that comes uh, um, uh, into work every day when people enter the door is definitely not where we were. Um, we're moving in that direction, and I think uh, um, we have kind of orientation points in finance, uh, workforce planning, and um, that's how we branded it. And I think it's since evolved to include a lot more that's uh, probably more akin to talent and and, uh, and people analytics now. So that's not a promise; won't change anything. But uh, <laughs> I think it's a pattern that I'm not uh, uh, that I'm not unconscious of. So. Well, I suppose there's an argument, isn't there, that people analytics isn't always going to be about people. You know, sure. Especially if you're involved in the workforce planning side of things, and you know, actually, sometimes you're not going to be using a person to do some of the work That's that right. you might be looking at. So, so maybe you are actually a bit more future thinking than some of your uh, colleagues out there. Let's agree to that, David. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been about a three-year journey at the moment, and I'm sure there's many more years to many more years to come. But what have been some of the key milestones on on the journey so far in building that capability within the bank? So at the bank, I'd say uh, one of the first milestones we hit was really um, kind of expressing the viewpoint of what workforce analytics is, uh, what it can be, what we need to build to get there, and then kind of moving from what I'll call just like ideation into execution. Uh, And that happened around 2017. and from there, we went from a, a small team to a larger team to a, you know a pretty sizable team um, as we uh, as we kind of built products and expanded and scaled on our capabilities. So we've had a number of uh, product milestones throughout the journey. We've uh, uh, last year we we rolled out our first uh, machine learning uh, product to yep. uh, the recruiting organization, which uh, is you know, kind of being scaled up now. Um, we have a number of uh, tools and products uh, in place uh, that lean on, you know, natural language processing, cla- natural language processing, classifier modeling. Um, we've done a lot to clean up the foundation internally. Um, and I'd say uh, recently um, we established our uh, analytics office, uh, which uh, was an organizational change, a good yeah. one. Uh, so I'd say that was an evolution in how workforce analytics is embedded within the broader kind of data ecosystem in HR in tech, and increasingly outside of HR and corporate functions. So um, maybe a soft milestone, but more of a, a trend really is in the last 12 months uh, being um, a part of uh, enterprise-wide analytic conversations uh, across the corporate sector and with other data science teams has been, uh, I'd say, a, a marker for us that we couldn't have uh, claimed to be true maybe 24 months ago, which uh, which is a great uh, trajectory for us. And I guess that kind of looking outside HR, looking at working with colleagues in enterprise analytics, that helps you really focus on what the right, you know, the right business problems that you're tackling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the a quarter million people that work at the bank, um, there's, uh, there's different data on them, depending on how you uh, kind of the lens you put on it, if you put a retail or a consumer side lens on it versus a a privacy lens, um, corporate lens, investment banking, there's, um, there's, uh, kind of bespoke systems and applications that people use when they get to their desk uh, uh, as a trader or in as a teller. And um, there's uh, kind of the through line on all of that is um, they were hired once. Yeah. Um, they're still here. They've moved around. They were put onto a team. They had a lead. So there's a, there's a, a common call for the kinds of uh, kind of worker team or demographic data that will complement uh, studies. And we've been involved in some of that. Uh, and uh, increasingly, we're starting to think about um, concepts like productivity, collaboration that 
everyone cares about and no one owns. Yeah. Um, and how you put data requirements and uh, uh, methodology and ultimately insights and action uh, to uh, get better at those things is uh, really interesting to think about. And uh, HR is uh, at the table and uh, our team is at the table along with other teams uh, thinking about that from an LA perspective. So pretty exciting stuff. And I'm sure, what, what are some of the key, big challenges you've had to overcome on the journey so far? I think uh, there's never enough time. You probably hear that from everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. As you, as you uh, create the team, you create anticipation, demand, and um, that creates uh, something you can't quite keep up with. And so I think managing expectations and, and uh, just putting realism into what is able to be accomplished by when. Yeah. Uh, and uh, oftentimes uh, that also comes with the more you do, the more you realize what needs to be done, especially uh, when it comes to uh, the uh, cleanliness or relative cleanliness of the data ecosystem that you're working within. So um, it's uh, it's probably not so satisfying for a client or an end user to hear that um, you have a great idea about um, maybe how to measure um, throughput or productivity, but it's going to take us you know weeks or months to clean the data up and prep it. Um, and that conversation can get um, very weedy, very technical, and ultimately, from a, a business uh, perspective, seemingly unnecessary. Uh, great, I, I hear all of that. Just just figure out a way to get it done. I need it next week. And so um, I think moving the conversation away from that and to more of a, of a planful sort of, okay, I get it. It's going to take time. Yeah. Um, that's, that's been a challenge, and, and uh, I think the analytic literacy that comes along with with that amongst people who are um, asking for your help is uh, is one that is pretty common across every org I've seen and one yeah. that I'm sure you guys have uh, uh, heard from others as well. Yeah, I've not met an organization yet that hasn't got a problem around the data literacy side. Sure. Really understanding of what, what it is and what it can do. That's right. Um, so I think it's something we'll be fighting for a, for a few years yet. Um, but interesting, I mean, I mean, what's really coming out there is you know, expectation setting, good stakeholder management, right. really, you know, both with it, both in HR and also in the business, I guess, as well. Yeah. Um, and managing that demand and being able to prioritize. A friend of mine, Stella Lupisher, who I know you, you've, you've spoken with recently, uh, she once said very uh, pointedly in a conference that um, the advice she'd give to herself uh, five years ago is that people analytics or workforce analytics, talent analytics, we're not really in the analytics business, we're in the change management business. Yeah. And um, when you're building new capability and you're doing something different with data and you're putting it into a format or a form function that is uh, kind of cool, kind of insightful, um, it's it's going to uh, delight and surprise some and uh, maybe create a little bit more questioning than you asked for or expected in others. And so how mm. you push the org forward to do something differently with the data. My favorite question to ask in 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 all of this, when we're asked to do something, is um, what would you do differently if you knew the answer to your question? And would you change a process, a policy, a procedure, um, a program? Uh, what do you think? And sometimes the data, you need a little bit of a hint from the data to take your hunch seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you're not already thinking in that direction, it's probably a pretty good indicator that um, this just might be interesting and not so actionable. Yeah. So that's interesting and actionable. And differentiating that has been, I'd say, uh, 
a challenge, uh, an ongoing opportunity uh, for us and probably for the space in general. So I guess that can really help around prioritization. If you're not convinced that a, a business leader or you know or someone asking for the work is actually going to do something with it, I guess that could really help. It helps around. a lot. Yeah, I mean the uh, the willingness to act on uh, the insight you think you might see is uh, is a huge driver of frankly mobilizing uh, resources to uh, to dive in. I think sometimes uh, you need to explore the data a little bit to see if there's a there there, and uh, that kind of increases a little bit of confidence and maybe a willingness amongst the, the end users to do something. Um, but if there's a clear line between getting the question answered and uh, kind of changing or maybe accelerating something that's already written into um, the strategy agenda for a function or for a team, that's, that's really compelling for us. That increases, that says readiness, yeah. uh, complexity mostly becomes uh, uh, an afterthought. Um, because uh, the resourcing to get it done, regardless of complexity, is probably going to be there if the upside is already written into sort of the value statements of the, uh, the asking party. So, And I guess it's that ongoing dialogue. As you said, you maybe do some initial analysis, get a couple of insights. Okay, this is what the data is telling us at the moment. We need to do more work. You know. Yeah, uh, exactly. So uh, you, you, you get that problem statement written down, you scope the study, you, you kick it off, and you explore, and you're, you're prepping, and you're just kind of understanding kind of the, the very sort of basic nature of the data. And sometimes, um, sometimes you learn enough uh, to, uh, to kill the project, mm. which is hard to do. Um, and uh, sometimes it's really necessary. So um, something that... Uh, uh, often is a kind of a starting point for a lot of teams just get going in people analytics is uh, predicting you know, predicting turnover or doing uh, some sort of correlation studies with uh, with engagement survey data and um, um, if you don't have an attrition problem you probably shouldn't build an attrition yeah. model and yeah. so sometimes that's not so intuitive to know uh, uh, just based on uh, kind of backward looking data um, uh, but usually it is uh, pretty knowable pretty quickly so mm. um, we've We've entertained and uh, kind of deprioritized uh, requests uh, when it comes to putting industrial strength data science to problems that um, aren't really there. Yeah. And, and that kind of helps us uh, free up capacity for other things. And I guess that, that lends itself onto the next question, which is around building the team. Yeah. Business acumen and understanding the business problems is obviously a key part of that. Yes. Given that you've built the, the function from the ground up at the bank, it's been really interesting to understand you're thinking around the skills and capabilities that you needed in the team and almost the order in which you hired those in. Because yep. obviously you can't just you know, hire 30 people straight away. Yeah. You've got to build it over time. So we're really interested to understand, firstly, the mix of skills and capabilities yep. you've got and then the sequencing in which you've, you've brought those in. I love that question. So uh, the, the capabilities, skills and capabilities was probably day one of what I uh, started talking about and putting forward. Uh, there, there's basically four kind of skill areas that, that we did look for and do look for um, in no particular order. The first is kind of your, your quant skill, um, yeah. um, knowing how to um, interpret data, knowing math, knowing statistics. You can find that from a variety of disciplines, but um, that's, that's kind of skill bucket number one. Number two is uh, being technically proficient in database management, querying for data, navigating the stack, as it were. Um, that um, well, well, we'll talk about how we built and bought uh, each of these in, in kind of combination. Your third is your business acumen, so knowing the business, uh, knowing how to identify 
um, issues, how to scope, prioritize, frame problems, kind of think like a consultant, as it were. And your fourth is your subject matter um, expertise and uh, kind of research orientation on issues that are germane to workforce and people analytics. Yeah. Um, uh, incentives, rewards, teams, leadership, engagement, the list goes on. Uh, so nobody that I've ever seen uh, has um, an advanced degree in a mathematical discipline, has spent time as um, uh, a CTO of a tech stack, um, spent time at a top tier strategy consultancy, and has an advanced degree in IOS ecology. That, that's very unicorn. Be a pretty special like. person. Yeah, it? <laughs> if they're out there, please come and see me. Um, uh, aside from that, we look for breadth and depth. We look for uh, depth in one or more of those and breadth across more than one. So kind of your traditional T-shaped practitioner, uh, good enough to be dangerous in more than one area. And um, how we uh, hired and built the team off of that sort of framework uh, was uh, we found uh, quite a bit of uh, uh, People have uh, spent a lot of time building and sort of customizing and uh, and uh, curating the, the 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 database environments that we often store and pull data from you know, across the tech team and across our our, our different reporting teams at the time. Um, so we we didn't buy that. We we kind of organized uh, yeah. around that already being there. Um, uh, we we did buy quite a bit of our um, kind of mathematical data science capabilities. We had a starting point on that in tech, uh, um, but we, we really uh, kind of bought more around that. Um, the, the business acumen and the subject matter expertise of different kind of HR domain areas, uh, by and large, we, we already had yeah. at the bank. We did uh, go to market for some of that um, to get more of like an analytic spin on your maybe traditional uh, HR uh, center of expertise from a, a talent standpoint. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I'd say we, we really started, uh, around the foundation and, and kind of reporting and dashboarding, um, uh, bought and, and kind of upskilled and trained our way into, uh, increasingly advanced data science and, um, the data engineering and the platform work, uh, that really, uh, turbocharges your data science. Uh, we, uh, we by and large borrowed. Uh, and uh, have since contracted with our technology org to um, on a dedicated basis to make sure that we have the right um, operating model in place to have them work on our our platform environment to land data as a matter of uh, HR wide strategy going forward. That's sort of centerpiece to how we're um, evolving and maturing the uh, the entire sort of technology backbone when it comes to HR data. So uh, that's that's kind of how we did it. Right, and and I think I've heard you answer a question similar to this before from from Al Adamson actually at a Pafal conference. Yeah. If a CHRO came up to you and said, "Look, Ian, I'm I want to build a people analytics team or workforce analytics team in my organisation. What is the skill set I should hire for first? Assuming that I didn't have it, he didn't have it, or she didn't have any of those skills that you had within the within the bank already in place. Where would you go? Do you I, think? Well, the place I would not go first is is the data science side. Like yeah. I, I think. Um, it, it's hard to uh, it's hard to attract and retain um, um, uh, like a full stack, especially data scientists, someone that can not only kind of get and prep and, and build pipelines for data, but also um, analyze, be statistically uh, proficient in doing so, um, and 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 kind of build products and applications that are deployable back into the. That's a that's a pretty uh, rare breed. We were fortunate to have a number of them on our team. Um, you hire a person like that in too early, and that's going to be a 
a pretty bored yeah. uh, uh, person uh, pretty quickly who probably, probably high flight risk <laughs> who probably slips uh, whose day to day probably slips into the um, uh, into uh, activities that are just one piece of that broader string and and that doesn't probably feel too good for that person so the first place I go is probably on uh, on your foundation uh, make sure that um, that you have uh, a a strategy and a view on how to get all of your data into one place. If it's all in one place already, great. Yeah. Like, let's look at the the levels of quality and governance and and, and kind of security control that's around that. Um, so I think I'd, I'd call that broadly speaking, data engineering and infrastructure. Um, you might have that already resident in your technology organization, um, and uh, that's that's probably the first place to look. Um, having a good foundation. It's not entirely linear, but I think without that, it'll catch up pretty quickly and bite you if you don't focus on that sooner than later. That's great advice. That's great advice. So you, you highlighted at really high levels a couple of the, the projects that, that you've done. Is it you know, it'd be great if you could share you know in a bit more detail a couple of the, the projects or products maybe that, that you've developed um, uh, in the Workforce Analytics? Sure, team. yeah. So uh, one, one uh, a big push that we've had over the last year or so, and, and we've turned into a product, is uh, a problem that I think it's an opportunity and a problem that many orgs face is uh, um, finding uh, the right people for the right roles at the right time as fast as you can. Yeah. And um, and the speed and the way that you kind of cut through perhaps a really big pile of, of application is uh, is difficult, and often that's manual and um, and the the processes by which you do that are often uh, kind of uh, almost uh, working in opposite of quality of candidate, and and so uh, we partnered pretty early on with our uh, our recruiting leads and our global head of recruiting to kind of attack that that problem. It's a, how do you sort the stack and how do you just understand uh, where there might be hidden value in the stack that yep. is just really hard to examine and interrogate um, by human beings when you're talking thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, you know, we, the bank receives millions of applications a year across, you know, as many job families as you can count. So, um, we built uh, a few machine learning models to understand basic decisions across the applicant flow. Uh, is a candidate likely to be, um, reviewed and passed along to a manager and then hired and then stay in his or her seat longer than 180 days, which is roughly a productivity break point on yeah. a lot of the kind of um, high volume, high churn, in some case roles that we have that are uh, that are in our call center environment, that are in our operations environment. So um, that's been a really successful one for us. Uh, we see that uh, our models, uh, they don't make decisions for people, but the way that we've designed it is to um, give uh, our recruiting organization um, another signal to work with, um, a predictive signal. And we've trained our org um, to understand what they're looking at in the tools that they work in. So we, we embed a signal in the tools they use every day. It's not kind of a, a manual offline clunky cross-reference. Um, it's embedded in the tools they use every day. And uh, we've built, uh, I think, a, a pretty well thought um, experimental design construct to understand uh, how fast and how much quality candidates uh, are passing through the system uh, by recruiters who see a signal versus those who don't see a signal. Yeah. And so I think um, scoping the problem really sharply up front um, down to the job family, uh, in our case, was really important. And then understanding how we'll 
be able to tell if it's working. Um, the is, really important part is important. <laughs> so um, having that be part of implementation and deployment on the back end is uh, something that we've paid a lot of attention to, and I think we've uh, we've seen the kind of results that we'd hoped for. Um, we're we're being objective and and uh, honest throughout that whole process. We don't want to find a signal you hope to see. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're seeing really positive results, and we're we're scaling that product across uh, more and more jobs this year. And I guess that's the sort of thing that creates demand from the business when the benefit is being felt by the recruiters, but also by the business as well that are hiring these roles. Yeah, it is. Uh, that that's a good example of where um, we we plugged into uh, a number of uh, of different uh, kind of. Uh, strategy items that have already been expressed by the recruiting org, um, by business leaders who are looking to, you know, kind of grow and scale and, and, and do different things in their in their respective organizations. So getting good people is always going to be mm. key to that and uh, getting them quickly without, um, you know, kind of doing it in more manual cost heavy ways is something that uh, um, we thought we could uh, help with. And, and I think we are. And then I guess, you know, helping that process, but also making sure you still get the right people. That's right. Which is, uh, you know, I guess, you know, saving time and, and, and money, but actually getting the right people because that actually generates the yeah. business and, outcome. And a, and a model can only take you so far yeah. with that. Um, we, we don't make decisions for people. We give them data to make decisions. And so uh, we're nudging uh, people to, uh, you know, look at these candidates before those. Um, and we are, um, I think, allowing uh, candidates that are uh, good for the role to be seen sooner by recruiters and then by hiring managers who make the decision. So um, are they the right fit? Will they get on with the team? The model doesn't tell you that. The model tells you if they have some basic requirements and a few other things that uh, are uh, probabilistic of their success in the role. Um, and we do this in a way that um, is probably touched on a point here is fair, yeah. um, and we we've done a lot of work to make sure that um, that averse impact uh, uh, kind of being built into the model that that doesn't happen. Um, that we've uh, remediated against that during the model build, and that we have had a model averse impact identification and remediation procedures that are in place to make sure that the model, while uh, maybe powerful and accurate, doesn't inadvertently disenfranchise yeah. a, a class of uh, applicants that um, uh, that was unintentional. So that's a, that's a really, really important part of it. And the more that you balance the, the, the decision making or decision nudging that the model might suggest versus what people will do, uh, I think that also serves as a counter check to uh, um, maybe uh, building unintentional bias into the decision process based on how it's always been done versus how it should be done going forward. So that's, that's a great example, I think, of how workforce analytics can really support the business. Yep. Where, where are you looking at going in the next 12 to 18 months? Next 12 to 18 months. So uh, we will continue to scale our uh, machine learning products to more and more decision points across the employee lifecycle. So um, Recruiting is a is a garden of opportunity that we look uh, that we look to with uh, you know with uh, with some excitement. Uh, we look at internal mobility. Uh, we've got a very uh, robust uh, kind of uh, diversity inclusion uh, agenda in front of us uh, that kind of bridges between 
products and projects yeah. of kind of what if scenario modeling, how to help promote certain kind of diversity agenda items across the bank. That's a big one for us. Um, and I think uh, also just kind of increasing the, um, the maturity of our platform and moving to cloud uh, across the entire HR function uh, and uh, the underlying infrastructure to do that is uh, very central to our agenda. So I bet yeah. Yeah, that's where we're going. Okay. Well, we look forward to talking to you in 18 months, maybe about some <laughs> of the stuff you're doing. Yes. Um, so if we look more generally at the people analytics space now, and obviously yep. you, this is a space that you know very well, you've been in for, for, for quite a long time now. What excites you most about people analytics? Yeah, I, I think uh, the, I'd say besides the, the, the analytics, besides uh, kind of, uh, you know, rolling up your sleeves and, and just kind of getting into the work, uh, there's always new opportunities to learn. I think you know, what we're asked to do uh, is uh, sometimes it's right in our wheelhouse, sometimes it's on the, the edges of our ignorance and we, and we methodologically sort of seek and, uh, and seek to find insights and data sets that sometimes have been in front of us all along. Sometimes mm. there's new data streams coming about that uh, we're, we're being asked to, to check out or create. Um, we build products, we buy them, there's a ton of I'd say uh, really exciting developments uh, in the uh, in the uh, in the startup community. Uh, so we're uh, we we build and buy. I'd say in uh, in equal measure. And yeah. so just seeing how the space continues to evolve, I think we're probably at the front couple of years of a of a ten year cycle that uh, will produce uh, some really uh, exciting headlines and results over the next uh, you know, couple of years. So um, I think learning, driving value, um, and helping. Uh, Helping wake, I'd say, uh, organizations up to what I think is the most prolific yet underappreciated uh, data asset in the entire company, and it's the it's the data on on people, mm. um, how you think, how you act, how you behave, um, how the place ticks. Quarter million people, sixty. I mean, how many how many interactions, decisions uh, happen every single day uh, that could be nudged, influenced. Yeah. Uh, perhaps uh, looked into a little bit more, it's, it's sort of mind-boggling, and I think uh, it gives us all uh, an opportunity and responsibility, really, to make sure that we do that in a thoughtful way that uh, continues to innovate and drive value. So, And that might lead on to the next question quite well. What, what's your biggest concern? That, that we do that wrong, that we yeah. do that the wrong way, that we, that we get ahead of ourselves. We being, uh, you know, not just people that run teams like this, but um, uh, that... Uh, Customers of ours, clients of ours. Uh, I think uh, the the ability to to look into um, data and and kind of glean insights creates the classic you know could we should we yeah. uh, uh, dilemma, and uh, that that begs uh, the question of uh, of ethics and uh, really uh, kind of getting um, a lot more intentional around uh, how we um, how we treat questions of uh, could we should we as a matter of, of discipline and rigor and practice and not just uh, kind of a, um, a conversation. It obviously needs to be that, but I think it, it needs to be a lot more than that. Um, I'm afraid we, you know, we see a headline about, you know, there, and there have been quite a few headlines <laughs> lately, uh, um, but we see a zinger that, uh, that creates uh, um, a tipping point event perhaps legislatively or, or, or from a reg standpoint that uh, makes things a lot more difficult um, than they otherwise could have been. So that's that's a big concern of mine. And I guess in actually working in the people analytics field, we have an even bigger responsibility because we're really the custodians in many respects of the data. 
but we need to be helping to educate our leaders, our colleagues in HR, the business, around not just what they can do, but what they should do. And I think we've got a big role to play. A huge role. Um, analyzing which of 40 shades of blue gets the most clicks on, on a website uh, is, is uh, not as, I'd say, personal as understanding uh, how many different formations of a team uh, or variants of a compensation schema uh, might uh, get certain types of results inside a company. Uh, yeah. And you know, aside from that, super sensitive data about people. You know, um, how much money they make. Um, you know, diversity-related information, behavioral, how they think, what they're afraid of, and surveys. So, I mean, this is this is really personal stuff, and mm. we've got to um, not only do the basics of of kind of governing the data appropriately, but um, entertaining and and helping to guide and think through the kinds of questions that probably shouldn't be asked and answered with data and the kinds of questions that should, because if you're going to do something differently, you might be able to decipher between the two and avoid putting um, perhaps super sensitive uh, data sets next to each other, seeing some kind of correlation and yeah. attributing that to something that otherwise would be um, perhaps uh, uh, disastrous in the worst case for, uh, for, for people, lives, careers. You know, so we have to really be responsible with that. And it's about trust at the end of the day. I mean, if you look at the the, the work that Accenture published at Davos, I mean, we're looking at um, work, workplace trust and people and organizations generating the value they can out of workforce data. And there was a finding that I think 92% of employees are actually happy for their organizations to process data about them as long as they get individual benefit from mm -hmm. it. But I think nearly two-thirds were more nervous now than they had been because of some of the scandals we saw last year in the consumer in the consumer space, so yeah. it's, you know it's, it's a tightrope. We're I think it is. There, I mean, there, generally speaking, there's a power imbalance uh, between organizations and and people. Trust is going to be centered to sort of a centerpiece antidote to that. I think uh, certain orgs, certain industries might be ahead or behind. And you know, unfortunately, when you read headlines uh, uh, nowadays, like you do, uh, um, it just only illustrates the importance of your point. So um, I think trust. If you're if you're asking for data, you've got to play it back. Yeah. There should ideally be some kind of symbiotic exchange. Yeah. Um, um, if we give the kinds of uh, permissions that we do as uh, individual consumers to, you know, to banks, to 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 uh, uh, to different companies, to kind of oh yeah, you can you can watch what I watch on on television or or track what I respond to on email because you're going to presumably give me something in return. Exactly. That's yeah. valuable. I think orgs need to think uh, that way and, and kind of have analytic programs that, that uh, put that type of uh, reciprocity into the ecosystem in a way that people will feel comfortable with and, frankly, feel like it's adding value to their day and helping them get better at work and be happier at work. And um, that's where I'd love to see things yeah. go. Okay, we could probably talk all day, Ian, but we, we, do need to, we do need to wrap it up and we'll we move to the last question, yeah, which is yeah. a question we ask every guest on the show. Um, what do you think the role of HR will be in 2025? I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's, 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 my, my mind you is spinning with possibilities. <laughs> yeah, I think um, HR used to be called personnel at one point, and you know, finance used to be called accounting at, at, at some point. So I think there's probably uh, you know, there's a step forward in is just how we think and, and frankly label 
um, who is in this space, uh, kind of, uh, kind of tending to and promoting the employee experience, which I think is going to be a theme that starts to really shape how HR today thinks about the roles and and sort of a set of responsibilities tomorrow. Um, the analytic practitioners in the space are going to be, um, I think, central to that understanding and to that uh, sort of uh, end user experience design. Um, so I think uh, products, I think um, trust uh, in building products that are helpful and useful, um, that promote a better experience for individuals, for teams, for orgs, uh, is going to kind of shape the agenda going forward. Um, I think that from an analytics standpoint, a lot of what um, HR does today is built around processes that we think that we seek to standardize as much as we can globally and put kind of security controls around for the right reasons. Um, a lot of the data that I think uh, people analytic orgs are going to be harnessing and looking at going forward and outside of HR for that matter too, are around um, behaviors, are around how people, how they think, how they feel, what they do behaviorally and and people probably will have the opportunity to opt into um, having that data played back to them in ways that are insightful. You yeah. see this in different products today. Yeah. Uh, so I think that is only going to perpetuate on itself, hopefully in a good way, in an ethical way, in a controlled way. Um, and I hope we see um, uh, a different type of uh, uh, a different type of uh, appreciation for for uh, for the data that uh, people generate when they walk in the door every day, and and what it means to not just the org for planning and sort of uh, top side reasons, but for people yeah. every day. So I, uh, I look forward to, uh, to, uh, to seeing that involved. Well, that's a vision I quite like to see yeah. come to fruition. Ian, thank you very much for being a guest. How can listeners stay in touch with you? LinkedIn is great. Uh, feel free to ping me. Uh, I'm on Twitter a bit, LinkedIn a little bit more so. And, uh, you know, I pop up uh, now and then at uh, conferences such as uh, such as yours and others, David. So uh, keep a lookout. We will do. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe via iTunes or your podcast app of choice. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show on iTunes and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make this podcast. If you haven't already, do check out myhrfuture.com for the latest news and exclusive training content to prepare you for the future of HR. And you can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter there too. That's all for this week, but please make sure you tune in next week when we'll be speaking to Frida Polly, CEO and co-founder of Pymetrics, on how AI and behavioral science can reduce bias in recruiting. Don't miss that one. See you next time.